All right, thank you, worship team. Riley, great job. Thank you for leading today. Appreciate that very much. I'm going to move this out of the way. You may need to move it back. Later. No, it's okay. Just fine, fine right there. All right, awesome. I'm glad, and I'll, and I'll say this again, Hunter, it's a, it is a sign of great leadership when you have other people doing your job. It really is. Um, it's one of the weird things is I found out the things I've gotten the most credit for or praise for in my ministry is things I haven't done, but I've let other people do. So uh, I don't know whether to take that as a praise or, or, or as an embarrassment. I don't know. But anyway, so I'm glad for that. Well, this has been a weird week for many people. It's been a weird week for me too, but it's also been a great week because we started our small groups. So we just this morning finished our, our fifth of our uh, small groups that have started. And guys, I want to tell you, if you've not joined a small group yet, you can still do so. Um, it was in the newsletter last week. We'll have it in the new, if you if you toss that and you don't. By the way, if you don't get our newsletter news our newsletter email, you can do that by just putting your email address on a connect card and checking the box that you want to be a part of that. Or you can talk to me later. We can just signed up for one. We've got several of them going on. But that's just a great way for our church to connect. I've heard good reports so far of it. And so for you leaders who led. Uh, I want to thank you guys all publicly from the stage with that, too. So appreciate you guys stepping out, taking on extra work. So I, I know it's weird. Just go ahead. We'll go ahead and, and thank God and them together, all right? So you guys did a good job with that. And so today, in, in this first session, we talked about being a, uni, a unifying church member. And so I want to sort of follow up on that. And today we're going to talk about how everybody is important in our church. And to do that, I decided to go with a little pop culture. So do you recognize these guys up here on the screen? All right, does anybody recognize those guys? The, the characters? Anybody, what movie is that from? Is anybody? Jumanji. Jumanji, yeah. Actually, this is from Jumanji, The Next Level. And if you've not seen Jumanji, that's, that, that's okay. It's, it's just a fun movie. It's a fairly clean movie. Um, nowadays, there's nothing is a 100% clean movie, I don't think. But it's a fairly clean movie there. But I'll tell you about these guys for a little bit. Like this first character here. All right, does anybody remember who, what the name of that character is? That's Ming Fleetfoot. And her strength, she was a cat burglar and a pickpocket and a safe cracker. The next one over is somebody, Kevin Hart. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's Franklin Mouse Finbar. And he was known as the zoologist, the weapons valet, and he had an expertise in linguistics. Next is Fr uh, Dr. Xander Smolder Bravestone. His strengths were speed and climbing and a smoldering intensity. So, and then the next one, Ruby Roundhouse. There is, um, uh, her, her strengths were karate and dance fighting and nunchucks. And then we have Shelley Oberon, who was cartography, archaeology, and geometry. And last, Seaplane McDonald, one of the Jonas Brothers there. And his, his thing was flying. Now, the reason I tell you about these, all these guys had strengths. But now some of these characters were jealous of other characters, especially the guys there played by uh, Kevin Hart and uh, by, oh, what is the guy? Uh, no, the other one. Uh, yeah, Jack Black. I don't know why. I should remember that because it's the only movie he's played where he was a character other than himself, all right? Because normally just Jack Black's the same character in every movie. And just in case you happen to be watching this on YouTube, uh, Mr. Black, I apologize, but you were great in this movie, all right? So anyway, um, but they were jealous of them having that strength because like, what do you want with zoology? Or, and one of the movies that was geometry was his expertise. But here's the point of the movies that I, that I really liked is it took all of them, all six of them using their strengths together and helping each other through their weaknesses 
to achieve their goal to save the mythical land of Jumanji. And I think it's a great illustration of the church there, all right? Now, it wasn't a Christian film. Don't hear that at all. But basically, it's about them using all their gifts together to achieve the tasks that we need to do. And today in the passage we're going to look at, we're going to see how that God needs everybody. I say God needs. God has chosen to use everybody. God doesn't need us, but he allows us to work with him. So let me put it that way. That God uses everybody to accomplish his work. And that's really important for a church that, is, that does not have a permanent pastor right now. You know, as we're going to start, be starting the process next month, of, uh, of, of setting up the, the search team and beginning to get resumes and that kind of thing. But that'll it'll still take a few months. But in that meantime, there are certain people that just sit and say, well, I'm not going to be involved with that church. I'm going to wait till we get the pastor there so we can move forward. But we're going to see it takes more than that. So open your Bibles with me, if you would, please. To um, We're going to look at Exodus 36, verses 1 through 7. Oh, I skipped that. That's, sorry, I forgot I had that up there. Good thing I have my notes there. That basically what I want to say is our job, our church, we've adopted this right now as our, as our sort of interim um, um, thing. It's actually, we got it from YWAM, the guy, he didn't create it, but that, they made it notice. Our job is to know God and to make him known. And that takes all of us to do that. It takes all of us knowing God better. And it's going to take all of us to do the work of making him known in our community. So we're going to see that. So we're going to find it in Exodus chapter 36 verses 1 through 7. I'm really going to focus on just verse 2, but I'm going to read 1 through 7 to help, make, uh, help you get the context here. So uh, Exodus 36, starting with verse 1. Bezalel and Oholiab, oh, excuse me, yeah, and all the skilled people are to work based on everything the Lord has commanded. The Lord has given them wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work of constructing the sanctuary. So Moses summoned Bezalel, Oholiab, and every skilled person, don't, I will explain who those people are in a moment. Every skilled person whose heart, in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom, and all whose hearts were moved, uh, whose hearts moved them to come and do the work of the, uh, the work and to do it. They took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making the sanctuary. Meanwhile, the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. Then all the artisans who were doing the work for the sanctuary came one by one from the work they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work of, that the Lord commanded to be done. After Moses gave an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the camp, let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people stopped. The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work. There was more than enough. Right. First, I apologize for stumbling over it. That's not the usual translation I use when I'm doing my Bible reading, so it was, I kept wanting to go back to my old. It's like, don't you do that sometimes? When some of these on my age come back and use a King James Version, all of a sudden we were like, where did that come from? And that was me, so sorry. But let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this week you've given us. Another week you did not owe us, but you used it to bless us, Father, and to use us. And Father, thank you for calling us as Fresno Church with the purpose of making your will known in our lives, to knowing your son Jesus better, to being more like him, and to be your hands and feet in our community. So Father, thank you for this church and for the opportunity to serve. And Father, right now, as we have been worshiping you, let the worship continue as your spirit speaks to us. Help us keep our hearts and our minds open to your guidance. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Now, I read that really weird passage with those people in there, but this passage, let me say what they're talking about here. They're talking about building the tabernacle. Now, you know, in the book of Exodus, they are wandering around in the wilderness. It is the time they have exited out of Egypt, and they are getting ready to go into the Holy Land, to the Promised Land, but they've messed up, and they wound up having to take 40 laps around the wilderness for 40 years, waiting till till, uh, the right time for them to go into into the Promised Land. So in that time, they needed a temporary worship spot, and they built what was called the tabernacle. Now, tabernacle today for us has become to mean a place of worship. It was really the worship, was the, was a fancy word for tent back then. They created this tent. It had to be something they could pack up and move around from place to place. So that's all it is, but it's really talking about building what was the forerunner of the temple. But it's talking about building the tabernacle, the forerunner of the temple. It also is true about building a church, not a church building, but building a church ministry, a church fellowship, a church presence, uh, uh, building a local church that will be God's um, um, uh, tool to, be, to grow people and to reach people in his community. So we're going to look at this, and we're going to talk about three different groups of people or kinds of people that God uses to build his tabernacle or build his church. The first, he does use people that have a special call on their life. That's what we usually think of first. We think of people like pastors that have, have this, you know, this call, whatever that means. And by the way, that's a, that's a tough thing to figure out sometimes, this idea of call. But we, we usually think of that. And in this passage, there were two guys that had been specially called out by God to do the work of the temple, all right, or the tabernacle. First, there was Bezalel. In the, and a few chapters earlier, in chapter 31, God called him to work on the tabernacle. So he'd already been introduced there. And he gave him talents in metalworking and woodworking and jewel cutting. And he called an assistant to to come alongside him. That guy's name was Oholiab. Oholiab, interesting name. His name means my tent is God, the Father. And so it's kind of interesting. His name had God and tent in it both. But these two guys were called out really special. And these guys were just like, okay, they were the guys that I both love and hate to have as friends. Okay? This guy was, um, like Bezalel, he was like, um, or for those of you who, older generation, Bob Villa, remember him? Bob Villa, Villa, however you want to say his name, you know, that just could do everything. Or um, better yet, for other generations, MacGyver. All right, I know there's a reboot of MacGyver, which, no, it's the original MacGyver with Richard Dean Anderson. All right, but if you guys, for those of you who don't know, okay, all right, so Lila, you probably never heard of MacGyver before, have you, all right? This guy could do anything. With anything. He'd be trapped in a room, and he could take a ballpoint pen and a paper clip and build a laser beam to cut himself out of this building, okay? MacGyver could just make anything out of anything. Uh, you know, we've got an old copier in the back of the thing there. He could build probably an atomic bomb out of that copier, you know? He was just, in fact, it became, for my generation, a verb, like Google's become a verb to Google it. When you say, like, hey, you got that fixed, how'd you do it? Well, I MacGyvered it. It meant you did something totally wrong and totally weird, but you made it work. All right, so these guys, Bezalel and Holyab, were like MacGyver, all right, Bob Villa, that kind of thing. And I've met people like that. I remember, uh, boy, we had a, a couple of people. There was a lady, Michelle Creasy, was my daughter's best friend's mom. And she could just do just about anything. She decorated my daughter's room when my daughter was in junior high and made it look like it was in Hawaii. It became the paradise room. Okay, and she just did all sorts of things there. But Michelle was one of those people that just do anything with, with anything. In fact, husbands, you ever had trouble figuring out something to get your wife for Christmas? One year, 
her, her husband Stacy told me that, he said, that, well, I'm getting my wife an acetylene torch, an oxacetylene torch, a welding, a welding kit for Christmas because she wanted to make her own yard ornaments using a welding tool. That was what she wanted. And I thought, man, oh man, that would be like a blessing and a curse to be married to her all the time. I would feel like so un, uh, demasculized, masculinized, is that the right word, all the time? But also have all these cool things that she'd be able to build for me, all right? So, so, uh, so uh, Bezalel and Oholiab were like Michelle Creasy or whatever. They're those kind of people, or like MacGyver. And we think of those all the time. Those are the kind of people we think about that have this special call. But when we think of that in a church, we usually think of preachers, right? Or pastors. Sometimes we'll think about, sometimes we'll think about worship ministers, okay? Worship ministers are like, usually considered step below behind the senior pastor. And then you had, um, now if you wanted to be up above senior pastor, it would be like an international missionary. All right, that was like it. That was like you were the utmost thing. You know, there's the, and then if you're a youth minister like I was for years, that was like way, way down here. That was like, okay, you could drive an ice cream truck or you could be a youth minister. Either one, it's about the same, all right? So I, I know that. So we, always, that, we have this sort of hierarchy in our mind. But I want to encourage you right now to think about that idea of a special call to not be just with preachers or pastors. In fact, I want to tell you the story of a person that I, felt, that I, that I met one time that had, I felt like had an amazing special call on her life. The girl's name was Sarah Dolan. She lived in Walnut Creek, California. And Sarah Dolan and I had a mutual friend that used to take people on mission trips. And so Sarah Dolan, when she was 16, met this guy, this mutual friend we had, and wound up going on a mission trip to Peru. And while she was in Peru, felt this special call from God. In fact, all her life, she'd been interested in Peru for some reason. She didn't know what, and when this guy was at the a youth, the youth conference they used to run, and talked about bringing a group of teenagers to, to a mission trip for the summer to Peru, she knew right away, God, that's, that's, that's why you have me here. That's what you want me to do. And Sarah spent that summer working as a missionary in Peru, not just in Peru, but with a, one of the mountain tribes, the indigenous peoples, that, uh, that she had worked with there. And she worked with their team working with indigenous people. She liked it so much, she went back the next summer. And she actually said, met, met a young man from Oklahoma that also felt the same sort of call, and they worked together. And Sarah, at 16, as a teenager, began investing in the lives of the people of Peru and would go back time after time after time to be a part of that. In fact, I want to tell you, this special call that Sarah had in her life, at one point, the Peruvian Baptist Convention, which is their version of like a, just a, a you know, the Baptist denomination in Peru, gave her the title of their honorary missionary to this indigenous tribe. And Sarah discovered that they did not have the scripture in their language. She began studying their language as a teenager in high school because she said, if by the time I am finished college, if no one has translated the, the scripture into their language, I will do it. Now, you say I'm lifting up Sarah here like, you know, the utmost example? No. Sarah was just a teenage girl. She's a goofy kid. All right, and catch this. All right, Debbie, you ready for this? She was a PK. All right, and we know how dangerous PKs are, all right? You got to watch them all the time. Right? If you don't know what that means, it's a preacher's kid, and we have a, we have a couple in this, in this church, all right? But, um, and I met her as a preacher's kid, and she was just a goofy teenager, but she recognized God's special call on her life. 
And Sarah Dolan is one of those that I believe she was a, a, a Bezalel or an Aholiab, that God had called her in a very special way. I'll tell you a story of another one. And the reason I tell you these stories is because I know this is what you're going to remember about these stories, about this. You know, did you hear the stories? I'll tell you the story of Hobie Wilds. Hobby, well, Hobby is how he says his name. He spells it Hobie, but he pronounces it Hobby, sorry. I met Hobby Wilds when I was doing a camp in Arizona. And it was one of the most amazing camps I'd ever seen. I've told you a little bit about this camp in the past. I mentioned it in a previous sermon. But, um, but it was the camp where I saw God move in ways I've never seen at a camp before. God did things in the lives of teenagers I had never, ever seen before. Hobby was the manager of that camp. Hobby had spent most of his life working as a construction manager. But when he got the opportunity to... to to work in this camp, he said, I knew right away that was that all that God had been doing in my life was preparing me for this moment of running this camp. Because he had the background to do all the construction and repair work and direct all of that that needs to be done to keep the camp running. But God had been working in his life to lead a team. And he led the most amazing team of young people I'd ever seen in my life. So that to prepare a place where God could change the lives of teenagers. So a 16-year-old girl can have a sense of God's call in her life in a special way. A 60-year-old guy who'd been doing secular construction work all of his life can feel that special call from God. Now, not everybody gets those. But if you do, I want to encourage you to lean into it and respond to it, as Sarah and Hobie did, uh, Hobby did. But guys, here's what I want to say, though. My point in all this is you do not have to become a preacher. You do not have to become a missionary for that kind of special call. You simply need to look around and ask yourself, what is it that I can do here better than anyone else? What is it that I can do that needs to be done that I'm the best person to be doing it? You may be amazed to discover that God has something special planned for you. He's preparing something in your life to work right here in this church that he's been preparing you for for years and you're only now beginning to realize it that it's not just your preacher up here yes we want our pastor to have a special call to feel called not only to ministry but to ministry leadership and also feel a sense of call to this location to work with us in this church but that special call is not just limited to them is it possible that there's someone in this room that has a special call from God to serve his church? Maybe there is a future pastor or other minister here in this church. I mean, think about it. New ministers have to come from somewhere. Could it not be this place? All I'm asking right now is, are you in a place where you can hear God's call if it comes to you? Are you open to it? You may be old. You may be young. But God still calls people. And I want to encourage you guys to be praying for it, that God will raise up out of our church people that he's laid on, a hand on them for a special call to do a ministry of some kind. It may not be glorious. It may not make you famous. I doubt before today anyone in this church had heard of Hobby Wiles or Sarah Dolan. And you, may pro- you will probably never run across their names again. It's not about fame. It's about responding to a call that you have from God to do a specific task. All right, but if we relate on just people that had that special call, we'd never get anything done around here because to be honest, you can't do it with just the ministers. It could not happen just with the ministers. 
the, the professional paid minister leaders and all that kind of thing. And the tabernacle did not rely just on them. There were only those two people called out specifically, Bezalel and Holiab. But in verse 2 it says, Moses also called out everybody who had skills in crafts. Everybody who was a skilled workman, everybody who was a craftsman, they were also called to do the work of the ministry. In verse 2, let's look at that again. It says, Moses summoned Bezalel and Holiab and every skilled person in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom. That word wisdom is an interesting word. It's used several times in the Bible. It's, it's the word, Hebrew word, chakam. Um, and uh, just want you to know, we're looking at one specific word there, but it was a word that meant not just wise with your head, but it was also used for people who were wise with their hands. That same word, chakam, has been used in Hebrew to talk about, um, oh, all sorts of different kind of people. Sailors were considered wise, understanding the sea. It's used with tribal heads. That'd be the equivalent of politicians. Can God call politicians to serve him? I mean, if, listen, people, if we're going to believe in miracles, let's do that one, all right? To believe God can actually call politicians to be wise and to be used in building his kingdom here. It's been used of administrators and organizers, even people who are morally or ethically strong, that God needs people sometimes to just to help the church stay on course, to understand right from wrong, to, to understand when we're crossing lines, when we're deviating from our mission path, those kinds of things. But these were all the people that God called to use the tabernacle. These are people who could cut stone, people who could, who could haul wood, people who could, who could understand, uh, who could do sewing, who could do all sorts of different kinds of things. In fact, it was open to both the men and the women. In the previous chapter, in verse 35, uh, chapter 35, verse 10, it says, let every skillful man among you come and make what the Lord has commanded. And then later in verse 25 of chapter 35, it says, and all the skillful women came and spun with their hands. God's call was not limited just to men or to women, to either one, but to both. They all came and did the work that God had called them to do. So here comes the question. Do you have skills, gifts, talents that God has given you that he can use to build his kingdom here at this church? We need that. I've mentioned before that my wife served as a worship minister for 18 years in church. And let me tell you how she got started with that. The church lost their, their piano player, and my wife played piano. Um, she didn't enjoy playing it in public, but she was a skilled piano player. And uh, she told the church, well, I'll go into rotation. She traveled with me some in, in my work that I traveled to other churches all over the state. But she got into a rotation of, of playing. And then some people dropped out. They started using her more and more and more. And finally, the church called her as the piano player. And then they began to realize that she had skills in leading. So they called her to lead a choir. And then they realized she could plan worship services. And the pastor could, could, could push that up to her. And so they hired her or called her as the worship minister of the church. And she began to do all sorts of, for 18 years, she led worship at this church. Why? Because she recognized she had a skill as a piano player. And that opened the door for her to begin to do other things in ministry. So what are the skills that you have that God might be able to use? There's all sorts of things around here that, that, that are skills that God has. Let me tell you about one, we just talked today actually, we need some more greeters in the church. Now, that's not a, hey, was that, oh, that was you, Twyla, okay. Good. I was hoping it wasn't somebody else going like, amen, the tweeters we have now are terrible, all right? So, no, it, was, it is one of our greeters who, who said that, all right? 
Now, again, just because I'm announcing it from the stage doesn't mean you're called to be, to be a greeter. But I'm saying, if you're the kind of person who just loves people, who can make them feel welcome, all right, that can be gracious and can, and, and can, can make people feel warm, if you like to smile, if you don't mind shaking hands in the post-COVID era, that that's the kind of people that we need. You don't need to be, you don't need to be the best-looking person in the church. Though, though, granted, our t- greeters right now are the best-looking people in the church, right? But, okay. But, um, but we need, you don't have to be the most outgoing person in the church. You're just a person who just likes meeting people and likes being welcoming. So look at the skills and gifts God has given you. Maybe that's something you could do. You know what? Actually, there's some people up here that, um, uh, in our church that, that, that may be one of the greatest leaders, but they'd be the terrible person to have there at the, uh, all right, I'm a, I'm a terrible greeter, all right? I do, I welcome people and stuff, but I'm always scanning everything. So I catch myself sometimes greeting somebody and then looking off to the side to say, okay, who is that coming up? Do I know that person? Whatever. My mind is elsewhere at the time. And so, you know, I don't have that kind of focus to be a greeter. Um, you know, don't push me away when I come up there to greet people, though, Reuben. I do want to still like meeting people and stuff. But I'm saying, that's not my best skill. But maybe you're one that it is. And that makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. A lot of times somebody will decide to, to come back to a church, not because of how great the music was or how much they liked the, the preaching, but how friendly the people were when they came in. All right, so think about that. that, that what, what kind of skills do you have that God might be able to use? I want to encourage you to be looking and thinking about your own skills that you have. But then there's a third group also. God not only called the people with a special call, not only the people that had skills and crafts, but he called people whose hearts stirred them to the core, whose hearts stirred within them. Let's go back into to verse five, to verse six, uh, verse two again. Sorry, I'm trying to be fast here. Um, all right, verse two again. It says, "So Moses summoned Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skillful person in whose the, in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom." And that last little phrase, "All whose hearts moved them to come to the work and do it." that God seriously was calling everyone who was interested in doing it. I think that's a great principle. If, if your heart is moving to serve God in some way, there is a place you can serve. All right? Now, not everybody whose heart moved, it wasn't the people's you know, heart moved and said, well, I want to cut jewels for the, you know, for the cut stones for the, for the ephod of the, of the priest, that kind of thing. And like, no, you've not had any experience cutting stones. You don't get to choose that, but Let's find out where your heart did move. It's, it's not a skilled position, but it's going to be something else. And I do think that God used these people in a lot of ways. It doesn't mention any particular skill or any special gift that they had or any calling upon them. It simply says their heart stirred them to build the tabernacle. Here's the only thing they had. They had desire. They had desire. And if you have desire... God can use you in this church to help do the ministry. Now think about the tabernacle. You know what, if I had been back in that days, I was probably one of those dads that, you know what, I wasn't good. You did not want me cutting wood. All right, I am just, I'm, I'm not a good woodworker. Uh, I'm not a stonemason. I can do some stuff, but, uh, but when I do it, people look at it and go like, hey, you did that yourself, huh? Yeah, I did. I did. You save a lot of money? Yeah. yeah it looks like it. Okay. Um, you know, I can get by on some things, but I'm not a skilled craftsman at all. 
So I might have been one of those guys that I'd be walking along with my son and say, son, you see that great tapestry right there? You know what? I, I can't do any stuff like that. But when this temple's been built, you know what I did? Every day, three times a day, I carried these huge jugs down to the river a mile and a half from here. And I gathered up water and brought it back so that the workers who were working on that tapestry didn't have to stop and go down the river themselves to get water. Didn't have to go get the supplies to mix the dyes up to dye that tapestry. And so I didn't actually make that tapestry, but I want you to know they couldn't have done it if there had been people like me doing that. Or the mom who says, you know what? I did not sew those cloths. I did not do any of this work over here. But every day, I provided the sandwiches, okay? So that those guys could keep working. I supplied, I went and gathered the things they needed to give to, the, to, to supply that. And those people were just as much a part of building the tabernacle as Bezalel and Holiab were. Yeah, they didn't get their names mentioned in scripture. Guess what, none of us are gonna get our names mentioned in scripture, all right? We're just not, it's not gonna happen. But they were still part of building something that made a difference in the lives of the people of Israel. For us, even if you don't have, feel like you have any gifts, have any talents at all, God can still use you to do something here that will make a difference in the lives of the people here in this church, in the lives of the people outside this room who still need to know about Jesus, still need to hear about God's love. God is calling each one of us here. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm gonna give you what I'm gonna Pastor Darrell's rule about uh, for, for if, if God wants to use you here and now. So I'll say it again. This is my rule, this is how you can figure it out. Foolproof way of figuring out if God wants to use you here and now. You ready? If you are here now, God is calls, calling you to use you here and now, okay? He would not have you here if he did not want to use you. There's not a person in this room that when you walked in the door, the Holy Spirit went, did not see that coming. Wow, that's a surprise. What are we going to do about that? God knew you were going to be here. He has called you to be a part of something here. And so the question, in fact, on your, on your outline that you have there, the little note thing, has the question, can I just be me? Yeah, you can just be you. You don't have to be anybody else. God knew who you were when he called you to be a part of this church. And God placed you here because he's got a use for you here, just like he did with these leaders in the tabernacle. You don't have to have a sense of a special call. Praise God if you do. And we want to lift that up and help you. And, and as long as I'm here, if you've got that special call, I'll do my best to train you and to help you and help you find direction with it. You don't have to be particularly skillful or crafty. We need some people like that, but we need mainly people just say, God, whatever it is you need me to do, I'll do it. If it's hauling water, if it's, if it's uh, repairing things or fixing things or whatever, Lord, I will do it. In fact, let me tell you, let me pull back just a moment. I mentioned Michelle Creasy earlier. Remember the lady that had the, um, that, that got the welding torch for, for Christmas? Let me tell you how 
Michelle came to know Jesus. On the first day of kindergarten, my daughter Rachel met her daughter Taylor, and they became best friends. And now, almost 25 years later, they're still best friends, still stay in contact, still care about each other. And one day, my daughter invited Taylor to go to Vacation Bible School, or a Vacation Bible School where Taylor learned about Jesus, and Taylor gave her heart to Jesus. And eventually, Taylor's sister, and Taylor's dad, and Taylor's mom. Now, there's more to the story than just that. I'm simplifying a little bit here. But here's my point, that for Michelle Creasy to have a relationship with God, it wasn't a preacher that did it. It wasn't anybody particularly crafty. It was a seven-year-old girl that put the wheels in motion for Michelle Creasy to come to know Jesus. In the history of Christianity, God's relationship with people is filled with, filled with story after story after story of that. People who were nobodies. Remember we talked about Edward Kimball, who led Dwight Moody to the Lord, that had set in motion the chain of events that led Billy Graham to accept Jesus as his Savior. Story after story after story like that all over the place. And here's my point for today. There is not a person in this room, not a person in this room, that, who could not help the ministry of this church. You think about it. We need people to call, make calls and we need people to clean. We need people to type and to teach. We need people to help and to host, to plan and to play. People to drive and to draw, people to share and to sing. And if I can abandon the alliteration for a moment, people to write, to act, to, to, act, to fix, whatever. You've got talents, gifts God's given you, can use them. You've got a desire in your heart, God can use it. Each one of us who have given our lives over to Jesus Christ are here for a purpose, to be used of God so that we can begin to see results like the Israelites did and see God's church, not this building, but God's church built up and strengthened and useful to God and make a difference in this world. I wanna make you this promise right now too. If you're wondering about where you are, we don't, we don't have a special uh, program like this that we do, but, but it has a lot to do with, your, with uh, what a lot of people call your shape for ministry. Learning your spiritual gifts. If you don't know your spiritual gifts, I'll reach out to me. I'll help you learn to that. Maybe we'll do a class on spiritual gifts before I go. Who knows? We may do something like that. But your spiritual gifts, your heart, your desires, what is it that moves you? What is, what it, what is it that, that, that stirs the passion within you? Your gifts and abilities, we all have them. We all have them. And then also it has to do with your personality. Okay, are you a personality, you're a people person, you're a work by yourself kind of person, and your experiences that you've had. And I want to do something a little dangerous. We, we've talked about this for a little bit. Uh-oh, maybe I'm not going to. Did I, I left it over here. Wow, I'm going to have to walk off stage for a moment. Um, sorry about that. One of the gifts, one of the talents, not a gift, but a talent that God has given me 
or at least a, an ability that I developed is I used to do street magic. And so I'll just do a little magic trick for you. It's just a magic, it's not magic, it's a magic trick, okay? But I just want to kind of talk to you about it for a little bit. When we think of people that have that call from God, we think of people that are really gifted, like pastors and that kind of thing. And then we think about people that are, you know, have the skills and their crafts. You know, they're not, maybe not as special, but they're there, you know. And then we think about the people like you and me that are just kind of there, all right? And maybe you might identify with any one of these. I want to talk about in God's economy. This passage tells us God uses those people that don't seem to have visible gifts. Just like he uses the people that really do seem to be talented and gifted. Just like, as we always think, God uses the people that have a lot of call from God, that kind of thing. But here's the deal. When we look at God's economy, God's use of them is pretty much the same. He uses them all. This person who feels gifted and called or whatever is not any more special in God's sight than the person over here who is just being, using just the skills and gifts they have over this person here who just says, my heart moves me to work. So I just want to remind you in all of this, don't you ever feel like, because I don't have a lot of gifts, God can't use me. But God is going to use you, not just a little bit. But if you offer what you have to him, he'll use you to the utmost to bring glory to his name and to draw people to him. So what do we want you to do today? Here's your, here's your action steps. Okay, first, I want to encourage you, as many of you learned in the small group this week, to be a functioning and contributing member of Fresno Church. Determine that I'm going to be that kind of person. I will be a functioning and contributing member here. That, uh, by the way, and the more people we have that do that, the easier it'll be to find a pastor who'd be come to be, our, to be our pastor here. Work to discover and use your gifts and talents for the kingdom. And again, if you need help with that, I will help you. Also, be praying about and think about what is your passion for ministry? What, what stirs your heart in the service of God? And if you don't get all of this, then pray for clarity and direction, both for yourself and for our church and for our pastor search team that will be coming up well. And then as always, in every service, I want to tell you, if you've not invited Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, I want to encourage you to do that today and talk with me after the service because that's the first step in all of this. God's not going to be able to use you because the Holy Spirit's not going to work within you until you recognize that Jesus died on the cross to be your Savior. And he gave you his Holy and he gives you your Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit after that to help him be your Lord and boss and to guide you through life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this work of the tabernacle that you recorded here. Father, thank you for the just giving us the 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 names of Bezalel and Holy Heaven. Let us know the kind of people you use. But Father, thank you especially for verse 2 that just talks about people whose hearts stirred within them. And Father, today as we go through this service, as we worship and announcements, as we fellowship after church, Father, continue to speak to our hearts. Use us for your glory. Make Fresno Church the kind of church that will bring glory to your name that we can build not a tabernacle for our glory, but a place of healing and help for those who need Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.